This is Wise Guy Talks. Wise Guy Talks. Speaking truth to power. Exposing lies. Fake news. Fighting to restore American values. American values. Release the house. The house. Pretty good. That's awesome. You like I that, love, man? I love the intro. Yeah, that guy's good. That's Les Paul. He'll be here later on this evening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 71. The name of this show tonight, forgive me, but we're going to call this Californication. Now, look, hang with me. Don't hang up. Uh, what we're going to talk about is the big change that has occurred in California. It really began in earnest in 1966. That's the first time we found the word Californication, and that came out, believe it or not, in a Time magazine article. Uh, you can look it up. And later on, it became bumper stickers that were found throughout the Midwest as Californians began leaving the the sinking ship, and it's only accelerated. And that's why we have um, on board today Danny Bessalen. So come right back, and we will jump into epi- episode seventy one, Californication. Danny, you ready for this? I'm ready, man. You got to play the Californication music. That's what, what I thought was going to come up, but that'll probably get you a copyright. I'd, I'd get a strike if I did that. I mean, YouTube <laughs> has already perm- because of the trolls that like to follow me around. They figured out that that if you put enough uh, dislikes on something, you can get uh, the, the the people's attention at YouTube. So they they got rid of my channel, and I'd been interviewing World War II guys for like a decade, and they're all gone. So thank you very much, Google. Yeah, that that really that really sucks. But that was a good show, by the way, Californication. It was a good show. Yeah, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Do you like them? I do. They I are do. good. Actually, uh, my kids went to school with uh, Anthony Kiedis's kids in L.A. I have no idea who that is. Lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, that one. Yeah, we're good buddies. <laughs> is he a Texan? I don't. No, I don't I think so. It. I don't know. Him. I'm not sure, but I don't think so. So you ended up in Texas. You're a, I guess, what they call a refugee. That's right. Uh, my family's been refugees twice now. <laughs> if I remember correctly, we talked about this before, but your family goes all the way back to Russia. Correct. So my family came to the U.S. Uh, in uh, early 1980s. Uh, we left Russia. Well, you know, then it was Russia. Now it's uh, Kiev, which is part of the Ukraine. Family left in 1979 when I was three, um, spent a little bit of time in Italy, a couple of years in Chicago, and then ended up in L.A. in the early 80s. Hmm. Uh, my dad always dreamt of coming to Hollywood and to California. Was he an actor? No, not at all. But, you know, like that was the dream because growing up in, in communist Russia where, you know, everything was propaganda and government controlled, uh, which, you know, is kind of like California now, uh, you know, he always dreamt of escaping and coming to the free world. And, you know, based on all the black market stuff he got, uh, L.A. and California and Hollywood was the place to be. Like, that was the land of opportunity. So the Mamas and the Papas had a song called California Dreaming. Yes, that's the one. That's I'm, the I'm one. sure you do not remember. <laughs> I don't. I've heard it. But I'm sure my dad loved it, you know. So they, uh, so that's where they wanted to go. And so they ended up in, in California in the early 1980s and, um, and it, when it was a great time to be there. Yeah. I, I actually, mea culpa, I lived in California in the early 80s from about 83 to about 85, 86. I was in the Marine Corps there in El Toro, 
and VMJR 352 got to fly C-130s all over the world. And today is awesome. Veterans Day. Yes. And yesterday was the 276th um, birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Yes, and thank you for your service. Nobody God. shot at me, thank God. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. So... Anyhow, back to Californication. Yes. So the, so, so the idea is, you know, you're a refugee, you came here, and you're kind of, uh, that cycle is replicating itself again from the 70s when we had all the folks that moved to all the adjacent states. W- w- typically, even then, the reason they were moving out was out of control uh, politics sticking their nose in people's constitutional business, uh, gun control, things of that nature. But it was also primarily housing prices, taxation and a very friendly, uh, unfriendly business environment. Has that changed at all? No, I mean, it's, it's gotten a lot worse, right? So, you know, going back to when my parents came, they came for opportunity. They came to, you know, be able to start their own businesses, take advantage of capitalism and all of those good things. And they did that and they, they made a great life for themselves and their kids. And that's why they wanted to come. But the government has just continued to grow in California. And, and the big government problem in California is only getting worse um, the, the sad part is that the policies there have just completely ruined an amazing, beautiful state, right? None of them work, and you got now you got homeless uh, homelessness issue that is completely out of control. Um, every underpass, you, you know, you're seeing a homeless encampment, uh, and all the other stuff you talked about—the taxation, the business climate, the overregulation, government overreach, and all those things. So before he came over, he said, "Should I get dressed up?" And I go, "Sure, go ahead." <laughs> I can see you got dressed in the nice, brother. This is, uh, this is business casual here. So uh, Danny actually has two. He's I'm I'm kind of before greatness here, a YouTube star, oh, so to no speak. Way. He's got a half a million views on one of his YouTube uh, pr- uh, promotion or not pr- productions, I should say. It's called Now You Can't Leave. Tell us a little bit about that and tell me why you think you got 500 hits on that. Yeah. So, Guy, that was a that was a really fun video. So what happened was in California, you know, I, it's funny because before the pandemic, I really wasn't uh, paying attention to California politics. Really, I wasn't paying attention to, to much in terms of local stuff, which is, you know, in retrospect, a big mistake. I, I tell everyone I didn't even know who our governor was. Uh, and then the pandemic hit and, you know, I started paying attention because the government closed restaurants, locked up our kids in, in school um, started mandating all these crazy things, and I just thought this is this is ridiculous. It's absurd. Um, I don't know what's going on here in this state. I started following it, and that particular video, now you can't leave, is about uh, a tax that was actually introduced by a California legislator, and the tax is to tax someone's overall uh, net worth globally and have it follow them around for 10 years if they leave California. So that was right? AB 02888? I believe so, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what you said, I guess. That's the one. And, and the thing that I found interesting about that is this thing chased you around like a bad disease. So even if you left California, guess what? Yeah, that's they right. They still got gotcha. you. Exactly. And how, how is the school, how are the unions involved with, with uh, this? Why, why do they care about this so much? Well, because the funds were supposed to go to fund things like infrastructure and building things, right? So the, so the unions are on board because they want the money that's going to come out of that. The school boards are on board because the school boards want the money that's going to come from that tax, right? And so the school boards lobby the legislators to propose these taxes, these just ridiculous taxes. And they just keep coming. I mean, the type of taxes and proposed taxes coming out of the California legislator, which is a... Democrat supermajority are just absurd. I mean, take, for example, this isn't a tax, but take AB5, which we talked about in California. 
This is the most ridiculous job-killing bill ever. It basically turned everyone from a an employee into a, I'm sorry, from an independent contractor into an employee. So if you right? drive for Uber, you have to drive for the corporation now. Correct. Well, the, and then That's there was a, that is an interesting story. What happened there was they did that, and then Uber and Lyft there was a ballot measure, and they wanted the voters to vote on it. Right. So the voters said no. Uber and Lyft can have an exemption, and they can be independent contractors. Well, then the California Supreme Court overturned it and said, sorry, we don't care what you voted for. They have to be employees and, and they're threatening to leave. So it's an ongoing lawsuit. But that's the kind of nonsense, you know, that California does. And you see now, I mean, there's just a mass exodus of companies and people coming to states like the great state of Texas. Yeah. What? So a lot of Texans are annoyed by this for obvious sure. reasons, because we see the Arizona a nation of Texas. We see yes. it turning purple very rapidly. And what the thing that most, I'm fifth generation Texan, and I don't, what I don't understand is why do you want to go from a, a clearly a failed ideology and a methodology of running a state and think somehow or another there's virtue in that. And then you move to a, a conservative city, well, like Southlake, where you live right now, and Correct. you want to change it. Help me to understand the mentality of someone that would leave a sinking ship to go plug a hole in the next ship that they're about to get on. Are you trying to get me to explain the mindset of a liberal? Yes. That's, uh, I, I, don't, I cannot do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but guy, I don't get it either. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, Now, what I'm seeing, I think, fortunately, you could probably speak more to this, but what, the people that I'm seeing come here uh, are more conservative and do agree with you know, the fact that I'm coming here and this place is amazing for a reason. Yeah. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. So I haven't met too many of, of the people that are coming and saying, I'm now going to vote the way I did in California. But it's mind-boggling to me. It's like it's almost as if they don't connect the dots between I'm voting for these progressive policies. The progressive policies are ruining my state. But over there, it'll be different. It, it makes no sense. Do, do you think that their ideology is almost like a religion? And so if you have a, a religious... Uh, connection to what you believe in, then you feel that you're virtuous and you can do anything you want. I'm going to go a step further. I, I really do feel that it, it's like a disease and a cancer uh, that's spreading through places like LA. And um, it, there is a lot of virtue signaling to it for sure. I agree with that. But I think it's either, I think the root of the issue is I think the liberals played the long game. You know, they went into the, the universities and the schools. And of course, I'm sure we'll get to it. But you know, they try to go into the school boards and start early, right? right? And I'll give you an example of that. Uh, so my kids were at a high-end private school in LA. And it was, when we got there, it was a, a fairly conservative school. I mean, the, the mascot is the Patriots, right? <laughs> and, uh, and it taught conservative values and all these kinds of things. Well, over the years that we were there, you know, in the last year and a half, all of a sudden, you saw all of these things come into the school in terms of changing of the curriculum, right? And, we, and they didn't call it at the time critical race theory, right? But what they said is, we're just going to bring in some changes. And then we started doing a deep dive on the curriculum. And what you see is, you know, it, it's, pretty, um, it's pretty easy in like kindergarten. They don't use these words. But as you start getting into third, fourth grade, they start turning these kids into social justice warriors slowly but surely. And so, you know, by doing that, I think... They are indoctrinating that next generation to then believe that these are this is the way to save the world and the nation. Yeah, I mean, going all the way back 1791, French Revolution, and then you jump forward to Stalin and, and Marx. These guys all knew that it was really important 
to own the child at a young age. And we have um, a really wonderful Czechoslovakian lady that's going to be coming in not too long talking about that. And we had a Lear on here the other day who is from Albania. And he, he said that the schools make all the parental choices for them, yes. all of them. And, and so they're, they're so phenomenally indoctrinated. It's like the kids in North Korea that really look at Kim Jong-un, whatever his name uh-huh. is. They look at him like literally like he's a god. Yeah. They look at him like he's a god. And how is that possible? I think it's that is why I, I believe that these um, this liberal far left ideology. It's very important for them to connect up with these kids at a young age. And I, frankly, I think I see it a lot in some of the the local radical organizations here in South Lake. We have one called Sark South Lake Anti Racist Coalition, and uh, you know we like them because they help our candidates get elected. <laughs> I mean, you know, so we, we like to kind of pick on them wherever, whenever I can. But every time I do that, you know, they go, yeah. I mean, based on what you're hearing right now, they're going to be screaming, ah, he's a racist. You've been mean to kids. But we of all course. know that it's adults, mostly white adults that's behind. The, they're the puppet masters of, of these organizations. Oh, yeah. And, you know, guy, I heard, you know, I mean, I heard all these stories growing up from my parents, right? Because they grew up in communist Russian school. And communist Russian school was where the left would want to see our school. You know, the school is your religion. The school is your God, or the government, I should say, is your religion. The government is your God. And that's who you look up to. And what it turns into is a situation where, you know, you will turn in your parents, you'll turn in your family, you'll turn on your friends because you feel that obligation to the government. And if you start that at a young enough age and you indoctrinate these kids into that, by the time they're in, you know, junior high, high school, college, that's just that's just what they believe. And it I think it's really hard. It takes a, a really strong character, a strong will to break away from that. Yeah. You know, right. because if you if you're taught that as a kid, that's just what you're gonna believe. Hey, how about we take a quick break? We listen to our sponsor from Patriot Mobile. You ready for this? Let's do it. All right. Hey guys, let me talk to you about cell phones for just a second in one of my favorite companies in the whole wide universe. Yes, the whole wide universe, 972Patriot or PatriotMobile.com. These are the new guys on the block. They use the same towers that the big guys do. The big guys love to give money to organizations like those far-left Democrat uh, candidates, uh, the guys that want to paint Texas blue. You know who I'm talking about, Planned Parenthood. Uh, they're all for those big corporations that just love to put their foot on the back of your neck. I don't think they're too much for Second Amendment rights, and you know how we are here in Texas about our Second Amendment. So if you're interested, why don't you give uh, Patriot Mobile a call at 972-PATRIOT or look them up on the web at patriotmobile.com. So what did you think about that? The way we do the uh, the the commercials, we kind of blend those in. I got this fancy little roadcaster. I wish I could get money for uh, recommending them, but it's it really steps up your game quite a bit. I really love it. I'm I'm telling you guys, it's amazing. I'm taking notes uh, and uh, definitely going to adapt some of this equipment into my uh, production here for YouTube and and future for the podcast that we're starting. And and tell us about that podcast real quick. Yeah, for sure, guys. So uh, it's called the Dima Show. Dima is actually my real na- real name in Russian. And uh, so we're starting basically a podcast that's going to come uh, out of, of the YouTube channel, uh, but also add that raw, unfiltered take on uh, real estate, business, finance, politics, and also 
current events, right? So there are some things, as as you mentioned, Guy, that we just can't say on YouTube that we can't talk about uh, things like you know vaccines and guns and uh, fun stuff because YouTube will will take that down and or they will just either demonetize the video or they will um, not drive traffic to it. And so so I'm excited, man. I'm really excited to start that. And of course, uh, you are going to be one of my first guests. Well, they're one of your first victims. Yes. <laughs> one of the things you talked about earlier on in the show, you talked about you are not paying attention. You took your actually never had your eye on the ball. Yes. And that describes pretty accurately what happened here in Southlake. I think we as parents, because we have what I think is one of the most spectacular, if not the most spectacular public school in the nation, seriously, when I say that, um, we just assumed that everything was cooking along. And we didn't realize the, uh, the ideological change that was literally happening underneath our feet. When did you become aware of it? Yeah, I mean, guy, we thought the same, you know. So my wife Elena and I thought, you know, we're gonna send, we're gonna do the LA thing, and we're gonna follow the crowd, and we're gonna send our kids to, you know, the best private school we can find because the public schools in LA are terrible, the complete opposite of South Lake. And so we found a great school. We really loved it. It was like I said, it was you know conservative and all these things, and not not blatantly so, but it was you could tell, you know, it was a conservative school. And we never, that's it. We never looked at the curriculum. We didn't ask, you know, we weren't, we're not the parents that are going to be looking over the kids' shoulders. And I will tell you a couple of events that happened when we really figured it out. So, you know, number one, the school hired a uh, director of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We can get into the word equity, which is a, a terrible word that doesn't mean what people think it means. But we'll talk about that another time. Um, so anyway, they hired this, this director of equity uh, and inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion. And her first assembly, she got all the kids together. This was right before the school lockdown for COVID, right? She got all the kids together. These are junior high kids. So from, I think from like fifth to eighth grade, somewhere in that range, right? And she shows them a video of basically the, the theme of the video was that, you know, white people are the devil and you should all feel bad about everything. On top of that, there's a slide in this video that has on the top all the people who are oppressors and on the bottom all the people who are oppressed, right? And so they show this slide. Um, it gets back to the parents. Uh, there's a just, can I swear on this or no? <laughs> it's up to you, man. So there is a shit storm, right, that, that happens from this. And all there's a lot of blowback and the parents all get upset. The school doesn't really do much about it. So now I'm thinking, okay, this is maybe this is the direction they want to go. That was kind of the first thing that got me saying, okay, I need to look at the curriculum. I need to see what the heck is going on here. And so that was when we really got involved. A group of parents that are like-minded started taking a look. And that's when we found out that they are implementing this curriculum called Pollyanna, which is really based in critical race theory. And when we saw that, we you know talked to the principal, and they were like, "No, I mean this is what we're doing," and and they snuck it into the curriculum, right? So they didn't actually tell everyone we're changing the curriculum. This is what we're doing, but they just started putting it in. They said, "Oh, you know, we only took elements of it." Well, the elements you took are the elements that start to indoctrinate the kids, and that's when we really you know saw like, "Listen, this is not for us. This is not going to work." Yeah. One of the things that they say around here all the time is that uh, there is no critical race theory. It's collegiate legal school level, right. and there's no element whatsoever of CRT being taught in the school. And then we catch one of the administrators who uh, is no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> she's living, but she's no longer with us in the school system. And one of the teachers sent me an audio of her talking about recentering their whiteness. 
Right. <laughs> and the teasers just blew their top when, you know, and they're like, what in the heck is, yeah. what do you got, Karl Marx here right in front of us for crying out loud? It's we've, crazy. We've come a long way, guy. I'll tell you a funny story. So when I was in law school uh, at Pepperdine. Hold on. Hold the phone. <laughs> Are you a recovering lawyer? I only did it for about three years. That Why was did you it. get out of that? It was boring. Really boring. Well, you're I, doing you know, wrong kind of law. Well, I'm, I'm like an entrepreneur at heart, you know, yeah. so for me to be in an office reading contracts and negotiating uh, for someone else was just not what I wanted to be doing. It's never what I wanted to be doing. So um, it was kind of a stepping stone to my, my business career and uh, yeah. it, it worked out great. It was great experience. I actually, unlike most people, really enjoyed law school uh, because I wasn't there to get a big firm law job. And so I wasn't competing for like the top of the class and all this kind of stuff. Not to toot my own horn. I still finished in the top, but... Uh, that's not what I was there for. Um, so the, I didn't know Tijuana had a law school. They, they do, actually, yes. Oh, the so University you first... of Tijuana. <laughs> okay, well, there you go. <laughs> it's accredited. Nice. <laughs> well, it worked for you. But anyway, the funny story I was going to tell you was how, how far we've come, right? Because at our law school, I specifically remember at Pepperdine Law School, we were sitting there in class, and uh, the fire alarm goes off. And the instructor says, uh-oh, they've found a Democrat. <laughs> Could you imagine them saying that now? <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah, California really, it's so unfortunate because it doesn't have to, it didn't have to be that way. When I went there, it was just a beautiful state. We'd get on our bicycles, Laguna Beach, go up to Newport Beach, you know, just have a good time on our bike, bicycles and then have hamburgers and beer and then come back to uh, Laguna Beach. And did you ever eat at Los Brisos up on the, um, the cliff there? No. It's I Mexican haven't. food place. No. Awesome. Sounds great. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. You're going to make me hungry. It is good. It's really good. It's a beautiful state, man. I mean, it, it really is. It's, you know, it's got everything you need, uh, you know, and most people, you know, what's interesting is like before the pandemic, every, you, we all knew like we were paying the sunshine tax. You know, you're paying 13.3% state income tax. You're paying the highest gas tax. You know, there's traffic. There's all these things. But when you weighed it against, okay, my friends and family are here. I got sports. I got entertainment. You know, all these things. Opportunity. It kept you there. Yeah. But when the pandemic hit and they did what they did, and then you look at all these additional new taxes and things they want to do and business regulation, I think that's what really broke the dam and why you saw for the first time ever in 2020 a negative net population uh, decrease in I, California. I, I can't wait for the final chapter of COVID to be written. But when you juxtapose, I think it's fairly reasonable comparison, California and Florida. You look at yourself and you look at the misery that that goofball governor and the mayor of, uh, of uh, L.A. put their citizens through. Yeah. And and then they would go to, what was that thing called, the laundry or whatever without their the mask. French laundry. <laughs> yeah, the French laundry. You know, let them eat cake. <laughs> Marie right. Antoinette, big time. But, I, I mean... All that misery that they put their people through, and and they still walk around with these compliance masks on. These, yeah. you know, they still believe that that's actually going to do some good for them. I heard uh, an immunolog immunologist buddy of mine lives here in South Lake told me. He goes, guy, he goes, let me just tell you the truth. Wearing that, man, he goes, and I'm not going to say this on your podcast because I'll get assailed by all the nutcases. Sure, but he goes. Wearing a mask to keep out COVID-19 is like using uh, barbed wire to keep mosquitoes out of your backyard. <laughs> That's a good analogy. It, it's just none of the stuff that they do to me passes the common sense test. You know, I got into it with a doctor at our old school because like all these things that she was saying made absolutely no common sense. But you see, know? you're a mask denier. 
You're denying science, dude. Uh, yes, that's right. I am. I'm an anti-vaxxer. I'm a racist. I've heard it all. It's it's totally fine. You know, because when you can't argue the facts, right, you go straight to that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it, it, and, and to your point, guy, like they're still putting their citizens through this miserable stuff. I was just on the phone with a buddy of mine before this, and he said he went to a restaurant and um, they asked him, you know, for proof of vaccination to get into the restaurant in L.A. in the middle of the day. Right. Yeah. I mean, Think about that. I mean, that's kind of like showing, can I see your AIDS card? Correct. I mean, yes. seriously, are you on birth control? Where, where's the end of this? And, right. and people just kind of, they're taking it. Yeah. That's what blows me away. They're just taking it. A couple of states, Texas, Florida, you know, some of the southern states are, are fighting up against it. But uh, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. So you had another episode called Mass Exodus from California continues. And that had like a quarter million, 100,000, something like that. Yes, yeah, tell me about that one. You know, so last year, I think people just really loved the California stuff. Uh, still probably do, um, you know, talking about the downfall of a state. And I think, you know, it happens slowly and then it happens really quickly. And, you know, I think COVID opened a lot of people's eyes to what was going on in the state. And then they really started looking at it. And for a lot of people, um, you know, they were like, hey, this is not where I want to raise my kids. This is not where I want to run my business. Um, it doesn't make any more financial or, or other sense. And so on that video, I talked about some main things, you know, taxation, obviously, as we said, highest state income tax in, in the nation, highest gas tax. I mean, gas there is, uh, you know, I've seen some seven, eight dollar, nine dollar a gallon uh, pictures, um, which is just insane. Right. And so you have all these high taxes. You have high business regulations. Um, employment law there is just awful. I mean, having an employee in California is one of the worst things that you can do. Um, so for all these reasons, you know, all the companies are, are leaving, as you know, because they're all coming here. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, it's a real shame. Uh, I just don't understand this fixation with killing, killing the golden goose. Right. And they continually kill the golden goose yeah. in California. And everything. every time I think that they've reached a new uh, level of jackassery, they manage to outdo themselves. Yes, yeah. they do. I mean, look what they did to Elon Musk, right? I mean, huh. when, when What do you got here? You told me in your audio video, you go Ben Shapiro, Joe mm -hmm. Rogan, Elon Musk, plus a bunch other, including Toyota, right. carry on the list. They're all here now. For sure. And the Elon Musk thing to me, so the, the lady, uh, her name is Lorena Gonzalez, who authored AB5, right? When when Elon Musk got into a little spat with the county because he reopened his factory, he basically said, fuck you, I'm reopening the factory, right? And they went after him, and then he said, well, I'm, then I'm just going to leave. And she tweeted, fuck you, Elon Musk, right? And and he responded and said, okay. And, and of course, we know what happened. He, you know, he left, right, last year, and then now he moved his headquarters to Texas. So it's like, why would you drive out your biggest taxpayer? That makes no logical sense to me. But that's that's what they're, that's how they're doing it. I, they don't I, care. But if you, if you listen to the tenets of Marxism, though, it's all about power and it's all about control, yes. ultimately. And I think if they break their state down and completely destroy it, they think, just like in the 1791 French Revolution, they think that they're going to be able to recreate it uh, better, uh, more of, a, what's it called, um, utopian-type society. And guess what? They never get there. Whether it's uh, 1960 with Fidel Castro coming into you know, Havana, they just never managed to get there. And yet hope springs eternal with these guys. I mean, Alir, when I had him in here, the guy from Albania, nice yeah. guy, crazy intelligent. When he was in here, he said that uh, he went to University of Illinois, I think it was. 
and one of these booths were set up trying to recruit people to become communists. Right. And he goes, you guys are idiots. Yeah. I grew up in it. Why do you want to be? Oh, it'll be better this time. That's right. It, that was it, a great episode, by the way, guy. You did yeah. a great job with him. Well, he, he, you know, when you have a guest like that, I mean, you, you really just sit back and put your hands on your knees and you're along for the ride. Because, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's going to come back on again. And uh, we're going to have ZD on. And ZD's from uh, Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. And she's got a great story to tell. I can't wait to get her on. We've got uh, a Polish gentleman. Um, he's going to be coming on. And, yeah, I'm very challenged with these names. So <laughs> forgive me. Even no you've problem. got a screwed up name, dude. I do. You're yeah. What the hell? You don't know how to spell Danny? <laughs> D-A-N-N-Y? I'm looking at that. Okay, well, it's Venetica. Okay. Right, right. Jeez. So how are you adjusting to South Lake? How do you, what, what is the big difference you see between your life here now and your life there then in Florida, other than the perfect weather? Forget about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, uh, L.A.'s got the weather, we, you know, the beaches, so we definitely miss some of that. Uh, my wife's parents are in L.A., so that was the biggest thing that, that was challenging for us to leave, uh, the pull of all the friends and the parents. But I, I got to tell you, guy, with like no hesitation, this has been the best decision I think that we have ever made as a family. Um, you know, my kids have adjusted really well to the schools. Everyone is so welcoming here. Um, it's it's a really great town. The school system, as we've talked about, is amazing. The sports are great. What I love about the school system, I will tell you, is a focus on excellence in everything they do. The sports are good. The academics are good. Um, the the everyone is polite, and it's a fantastic thing. I think that has been also lost in California. We really didn't talk about it. But the generation of participation trophies in California, I think, is eroding You know, a lot of the work ethic and the drive of these kids because they think it's okay not to win. They think it's okay to be mediocre, right? And, and that's not a good thing. And so you know, being here has been amazing. Uh, something that's a little overlooked is, uh, so we went back and visited LA a couple weeks ago. And in those two days, I spent more time in the car than I had here in like three months, you know, because everything here is close. It's five, six minutes away. In LA, you're driving your kids 30, 40 minutes to a friend's house. There's traffic and all this other nonsense. So we, we absolutely love it. I mean, uh, you know, if you're a, if you're a conservative, come, come move here. Yeah. A caveat (laughs) in tour. If you are a conservative, come on down. If you're not, Austin's got a place for you. Yeah. You love to So what do you want to say? to the 30% of the people that still believe in this social justice nonsense that want to, you know, control their kids and identify them uh, by their mutable characteristics or, you know, they, they want to give them privilege or special recognition based on their sexual preference or their skin color, um, or or they want to use certain pronouns for these kids. You know, what, what argument can you make to, or at least attempt to make to these guys that think that somehow or another, by messing with what I call the special sauce of South Lake, that that's going to somehow get us towards that nirvana, that utopian dream that the, the, these ideologues never get to. So, you know, guy, I think I, I have this belief that for a lot of people, it boils down to um, your mindset of whether you have a victim mentality or you're an accountable person, right? So a lot of these, a lot of these folks that have these arguments, they're all based in uh, victimhood, right? We aren't where we are because of someone else. We aren't where we are because of our upbringing, because of our family situation, because of where we were born, whatever it is, right? The color of our skin, the fact that we're you know, not straight because no one's calling us by our pronouns, it's victimhood, right? And what, what it brings me back to is you know, just the story of my parents, and I give them all the credit in the world for what they did because they left Russia with a couple hundred dollars, 
a few suitcases of stuff to sell. You couldn't take much. And me, I was three years old, right? They didn't speak English. My mom spoke a little bit. My dad didn't speak at all. You know, they went to a brand new country where they didn't speak the language. They had no job. They didn't really know anyone. Um, and they made it. You know, they succeeded because they had a great mindset, a, a strong work ethic, and a drive to succeed, right? So my dad always tells me, like, I don't understand these people complaining. They were born here. They know the language, right? They have every opportunity in the world in the greatest country to ever be created. Go make it happen. Stop complaining about all this stuff and just go make it happen. And so my message to them would be just be accountable, right? Just be accountable. Look at all the people that have succeeded before you that have had a worse situation, right? And do that. Stop blaming everyone else. Stop trying to blame your situation or what's happening around you and, and take accountability for your own actions. I think a couple of years ago, I, <clears throat> I interviewed a young lady who's kind of comes out of the same mold you did. She came uh, Jewish heritage out of Russia, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much right off the boat. No accent or anything, but uh, really tight. I mean, immediately left Russia and came to America. And she'd been here for, I don't know, 20, 30 years about as far left as you come. Wow. And I, I am mystified by that. Right. I do not get it. I've actually interviewed her before, and I could never get to the bottom um, because the, the whole victimhood thing is something I do find prevalent in a lot of these people. Um, you know, I'm bald. <laughs> I mean, does that make <laughs> me a victim? I don't know. That's right. when, when my kids came here, we, we came here from Missouri, and they didn't know anybody. My kids came home crying sometimes. And maybe I'm not a good dad. I don't know. But I'm like, suck it up, buttercup. Go right. make your friends. Go figure it out. But dad, can you go? No, I'm not going to help you. You go figure it out on your own. And it was. It took them probably six to eight months until they got themselves involved um, in music, like with my son and my daughter with Cross Country, got involved right. Carroll Medical Academy, which just is like rocket fuel for a kid that wants to go into medicine. Yes. Yeah, just phenomenal. But uh, I... I uh, and that's... Uh, guys, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, like, I think, see, that's the difference, right? Because it, someone on the other side of that argument would have said, you know, well, we're, we're in this new town and they owe us stuff. And, you know, our, my kids aren't acclimating because there's no program to help them, right? Instead of you saying, hey, go make it happen, right? Get your shit together and go make it happen. The, the other side argues that it's not about me, it's about the environment, someone's doing it to me. I used to have a, so I, I coach uh, business people, and I used to have a mentor and a coach who would say, no one's doing it to you, and no one's doing it for you. You want it? Go make it happen, right? And that's my message to these folks, right? Like, just go make it happen. Stop complaining. Yeah. Uh, I've been toying with an idea for some time, and some of these candidates for school board that are now, luckily, on school board, um, I want to see it come to fruition, and it's called Carroll Business Academy. And well, I own the domain name for it. That's how oh, much I love it. <laughs> and and so I it, then after this next election, I I really want to see this go forward. I think it can serve a big purpose in the community. I think a lot of the business leaders in this community are going to want to be part of that. How does people um, find out about you? I know you mentioned it again, but why don't we go ahead and tag you up one more time? How they can find out uh, what you're doing, YouTube, uh, do you have a website, uh, what's the best way to, and what can you do for them? Yeah, thanks so much, Guy. I appreciate that. By the way, as far as the, the Business Academy goes, let me know how you do on that. I'd love to participate in that. You know, I think mentorship and, and helping kids and young people and people who want to succeed is so important. 
right? I mean, I had great mentors and coaches uh, help me to, to get where I want to go. And so I always kind of pass that, pass that along. Uh, as far as I go, you can just Google my name and you'll find the YouTube channel, Danny Batsalkin. Um, the new show, the podcast is going to be called The Dima Show. The YouTube channel is going to have the same name. We just changed it uh, to that. Uh, but if you just search my name really in Google, you'll find the YouTube channel, the podcast, and then my website. And then I coach uh, real estate agents and uh, business people uh, and things like that. We have all kinds of cool programs for them and whatever they're doing. Danny Basalk, it's been a pleasure having you on board. Really Guy, pleasure is all mine. Thank you so Take much. Care, man. Let's bump out of here. Let's do it. <laughs>